came ready to worship the Lord, let's stand together. The Bible says in Psalm 32, verse 1, Happy is the man whose sins are forgiven, whose transgressions are remembered no more. And I don't know about you, but not only am I blessed and thankful for that, but I'm happy about it. Let's sing. Greatest day in history.
be seated. As we continue singing, uh, let's pray. Father God, we worship you this morning. We are in awe of who you are. We join with the angels this morning in singing, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. You are worthy. There are no other gods but you. I thank you for the freedom that you bring to our lives, the freedom to, to worship you, the freedom to be who you want us to be. We love you this morning, Father. You unravel me with a melody. You surround me.
Though we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, he is with us. Promise to never leave us, forsake us. Thank you for that, Lily. Thank you. When I walk through deep waters, I know that you will be with standing in the fire I will not be overcome through the valley of the shadow I will not be
my strength, you're my defender. You're my refuge in the storm. Through these trials, you've always been faithful. You bring healing to my soul. I am not alone. I am not alone. You will go before me. You will never leave me. 
Lord Jesus, we continue to honor you, who you are, the holy God of all the universe. Lord God Almighty, and I'm humbly asking today that you will show us, continue to show us what that, what that means. That somehow in our minds, we will be de-escalated and you will be escalated. Yes, we are your children. Yes, we are called by your name. But you and you alone are God. You and you alone are sovereign. That is the real hope for us today, that regardless of what life circumstances have been, even regardless of how far we may have wandered or strayed from you, your grace and your mercy draws us into your presence. Here we are, right now, at your feet, honoring you, worshiping you, bringing glory to your name, just as people have been doing for thousands of years. Scripture even tells us that right now your throne is surrounded by angels and, and, and elders, people that are just are, are, are crying out, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. We're just joining in with all of creation that is bringing praise to you now. That is the truth about who you are, the truth about who we are and what we're doing. Somehow in the midst of all of that awesomeness and all of that majesty, there's this moment where 
your eyes turn to us as they are doing right now. And we're looking at you face to face. Seeing and experiencing your grace. Hearing you say, my child, I love you. Church, just listen to his voice. Hear him speak. declare our need for you today. You know you know what's going on in our lives. Everything about who we are is is out there in front of you now. We we don't inform you on anything. So as we pray church, I'm inviting you to just Pour yourself out. Talk to him about your stuff, your needs. And as we do this, we're casting our cares on him, our burdens. We're unloading. So, Holy Spirit, as we unload now, we enter into a, another level of freedom in you. Thank you for that gift, that reality, that newness that comes with this. And we open up our hearts and our minds all that you have for us, not just this morning, but throughout this coming week, we are your people called by your name, humbling ourselves before you today, digging into your word today, encountering your presence today, and it's in the mighty name of Jesus we all pray. Everybody said. Quick testimony from Cindy here. I, I just was reminded today, and the Spirit told me that somebody else needs to hear this, that we are not alone. Mm. Seven years ago, my late husband was diagnosed with brain cancer, and he said, I really want to 
Jesus almost six years of being a widow. Sometimes I felt alone, but I know he was there. And I want you to know today, he is with you. You are not alone, even though you feel alone in this world. God was with me all those years. And I want to assure you today that he loves you and you are not alone. Amen. Boy, if you're happy about that, say amen. Yes. I want to invite us to continue our time of worship through our giving. I want to invite our ushers to join me up here. Jesus, we thank you for the fact that we are not alone, that your presence is evident, not just when we're at church, but even in those times where we, or even seasons, where we're feeling like we're isolated, you are always with us. We thank you not only for your presence, but we thank you for your provision. And we celebrate that today. Thank you for what has come. Thank you for the provision that is coming. Take what we have to offer you today. Use it, bless it, multiply it, accomplish your kingdom purposes with it. Build your church with it, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. Kiddos, you can come as well and bring your offerings. And Miss McKenzie just has something she wants to share with us while we're doing our giving. Good morning, everybody. So excited you're all here. Um, wanted to give a praise and then also um, just wanted to share about a prayer request. Um, I definitely don't want you to feel like I'm, I'm preaching to you. <laughs> I'm just hoping that the Holy Spirit will bring power down on you um, for those who feel led in, in what I have about to say. Um, as you can see, we have amazing, beautiful kiddos here. We have 13 age zero, if you will, two weeks, because he's not zero anymore, um, <laughs> um, to three-year-olds. We have 13 of those kiddos in our in our children's area. We have 18 four-years-old to first graders, and then we have 21 second graders to fifth graders. So can we give a round of applause for that? Because I think that's pretty awesome. With that being said, we need more help. <laughs> um, we have we have um, amazing, dedicated teachers who help out every week, but we're, we're needing more. Um, one of the big prayer requests, which I've let the parents know about, but I would like for the congregation to know about as well, is um, trying to split, make a preschool class where the, the four- and five-year-olds can have their own class, and then we would do a, a kindergarten through second grade, and then a third grade through fifth grade. We just really feel that that would meet the needs of each um, age group better because there's a lot of first graders, bless their heart, they, they don't like to color really anymore, but they're willing to color because that's kind of the majority rules and we got the younger ones in there. So we want to try and get to a point where we can have four uh, classes in our children's ministry. Um, parents, I know you're crazy busy and this is a time for you to have some hopefully you know time with Jesus and relaxation, but at the same time I think it's awesome when parents want to come in and they get to see their, the kids get to see the parents in a, in a different light and we're just, you know, you're ministering to other others as well. 
Um, I don't have to give you the statistics because you know the statistics, I'm sure, when it comes to um, children who are definitely have a softer heart when it comes to Jesus. And uh, just let me ask, how many of you know someone, or if you have, did you accept Christ when you were little, like fifth grade and under? Would you raise your hands? If you look around, there's quite a few. <laughs> so our children's department is really, really important. Jesus said it best. Um, but I'm going to just say real quick, from Heaven is Real, if you haven't read this book, I just finished it yesterday. And real quick, it's about a four-year-old who had some time up in heaven while he was in surgery, and I'm not going to give all the details. But when he came back and started talking to his mom and dad about his time up with Jesus, stating things that he had never heard of in the Bible before but were actual facts in the Bible, one of the things that he kept saying over and over again is, Dad, Mom, Jesus really loves the children. Jesus really, really, really loves the children. And so I just hope. I'm reading, pulling on the heartstrings, I guess you could say. I hope I get to do that. Matthew 18, 1 through 5 says, At that time, the disciples came, and Jesus asked, Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? He called a little child. Made me like to cry. And had him stand among them. And he said, I tell you the truth, unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And whoever welcomes a little child like this is in my name welcomes me. So food for thought there. If you are interested at all in whatever that looks like that your heart's being um, thumped on this morning, come see me and I'll let you know how we can get you started. Thanks so much. Pretty amazing statistics, and I want to introduce you all to one of the newest members of our children's department. So if baby Emerson would come up here. Are you going to hold him up like Simba and we can sing the or anything like that? Oh, there he is. <laughs> This is um, Emerson Spencer Green. Now, Spencer's a family name. That was your brother's name. Is Emerson a family name? Just, just, just kind of random. All right, beautiful. Hey, can we say hello to him and congratulate mom and dad? Awesome. Just wanted to present him and show him off a little bit. So there's a football game today, apparently. Orange and blue won't be represented, but that's okay. We can still watch the game and have fun. Super Bowl party right here. So um, if you're wanting to hang out with, with folks and have fun, um, we'll have the game up here on the big screen. Um, bring food to share. Um, game starts at 4.30, so we'll, we'll – Open the doors around 3.30 or so. You can come, whenever, come and go whenever you want to. Uh, that will replace youth group activity tonight, so awareness on that. So come hang out with us. Let's have some fun. All right, so today we launch a sermon series that's going to take us all the way to the end of November, okay? Rooted is what we're calling this series, and, and, our, and our goal is that we, as Christians, can feel more rooted, more confident 
in, in the Word, okay? So what we're going to attempt to do is kind of walk our way all the way through Scripture, Genesis to Revelation in that amount of time. Now, obviously, it's not going to be verse by verse, not even going to be chapter by chapter. We're going to have to pull the microscope back and um, get more of a big picture. So today, we're going to dig into Genesis. And in fact, Genesis, it's going to require two or three weeks for us to, to do Genesis because there's some really important things that Genesis talks to us about um, that really bring us uh, some of the key roots for us as believers. So Genesis 1-1, open it up, should be pretty easy to find, okay? Should be pretty easy to find. I just want to start with the first few words, okay? In the beginning, God created. Let's just pause there. I'm not a scientist, okay? I'm not a geologist. I'm not an astronaut. I can barely spell the word Hubble, okay? So I'm, uh, I'm not coming up here to make a, a scientific declaration or presentation um, about creation. But I can tell you what I am, and I'm just a believer in the Word of God. So when the Word of God tells me something, I'm just going to believe it. Because if I don't, then everything else that I attempt to believe in Scripture starts getting on shaky ground. So when the Bible tells me in the beginning God created, you know what? I'm just going to believe that. Now, I don't need details on how he did it. That's really, I don't find that to be a necessary thing for me. Now, I know scientists, um, for some scientists, that's, that's really important stuff. And, and by all means, do the research that you think is necessary. But, but, you know, call me a simpleton or call me just basic fundamentalist. I'm just going to believe that in the beginning, God created. That means that he preceded creation. He's an eternal being. He's not crammed inside of creation. He implemented creation. What we know, he put into place. Try to ponder that. Go ahead and try to wrap your mind around that. Good luck. We're talking about the eternal being of all breathes into existence creation. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now, the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. I'm not going to read all the way through the creation account, but I want to read a portion of it. And God said... Let there be light, and there was light. <coughs> God saw that the light was good, and he separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. There was evening, there was morning, the first day. And God said, let there be a vault, or your version might say expanse, or if you're reading the King James Version, you might See the word firmament, okay? Let there be a vault between the waters to separate water from water. This, this is an important part of creation, by the way, for us. So God made 
the vault and separated the water under the vault or the firmament from the, the upper from the lower. And it was so God called the vault sky. And there was evening and there was morning the second day. And God said, let the water under the sky be gathered to one place, let dry ground appear. And it was so God called the dry ground land and gathered the waters he called seas. And God saw that it was good. And he goes on to create vegetation and animals and ultimately humans. So this. This new thing called earth is surrounded by this thing called a firmament, an expanse or, or a vault, as this particular version used. Think of it like a bubble of water, an ozone layer, okay? And it's completely surrounding our planet. Our planet is functioning like hydroponics, okay? I don't know a lot about hydroponics, but what I know about hydroponics is that when when you are growing things inside of a hydroponic state, things get big, okay? Vegetables get big, fruit gets big, plants get big, animals will get big, humans will get big, and things live a lot longer. That was the kind of environment that was created. That was the earth that was created. That's the way it was like. Now, that's not the earth and the environment that you and I experience. That's not the way it is now. There is no firmament in place now. There is no thing of water hovering in the ozone layer above us anymore. So... What happened? Well, if you fast forward a few chapters to chapter 7 of Genesis, you find this little thing called the flood. It's this little event that happened in human history. Not a big deal. Not, not, not hardly a big deal, but let's just read about, you know, I'm kidding. There's sarcasm in that. This was a major cataclysmic event that takes place. So here we are in chapter 7 of Genesis. Now, this is the story of Noah, but when we, where we pick up the reading, just so you know, God told Noah to build a huge ark, and so Noah did. And when the ark was completed, animals by the droves came in, and they began to come into the ark, and Noah brings his family into his ark. So it's only animals, some of the animals, Noah, his wife, his three sons, and their wives, that's it for, for the, all of humanity. That's all that's represented on the ark here. Chapter 7, we're going to pick up the reading at verse 11. In the 600th year of Noah's life. Okay, wow. I mean, you thought old age at 60 or 70 was rough. Try 500 or 600. Okay, but that's the normal inside of this hydroponic state, this hydroponic earth that exists at this time. That's the norm, okay? Long, long, long life. 
and again, people are living, things live longer and things get bigger. This is just, this is kind of the norm. <coughs> in the 600th year of Noah's life, on the 17th day of the second month, on that day, all the springs of the great deep burst forth, and the floodgates of the heavens, or that firmament, were opened. And rain fell on the earth 40 days and 40 nights. So we have water bursting forth from underneath the ground. And then we have this firmament that was in existence rupturing and water is bursting forth from underneath and above. On that very day, Noah and his sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth, together with his wife and the wives of his three sons, entered the ark. They had with them every kind wild animal according to its kind, all livestock according to their kinds, every creature that moves along the ground according to its kind, and every bird according to its kind, everything with wings. Pairs of all creatures that have the breath of life in them came to Noah and entered the ark. The animals going on were male and female of every living thing. As God had commanded Noah, then the Lord shut him in. The Lord himself closes the door to the ark. And for 40 days, the flood kept coming on the earth. And as the waters increased, they lifted the ark high above the earth. The waters rose and increased greatly on the earth. And the ark floated on the surface of the waters. They rose greatly on the earth. And all the high mountains under the entire heavens were covered. Hey, let's... Picture that for a moment. What's the tallest mountain you can think of? Underwater. Just try to fathom it. This is a cataclysmic event. One, I was having a conversation with one guy, and he was like, well, I just thought the flood was just in that area. I'm like, distribution, hello? I mean, you can't. You think scientifically here, it's the whole earth, and it says it right here, okay? They rose greatly on the earth, and all the high mountains under the entire heavens were covered. Now, either you believe what the Bible says is true, or you don't. It just says it real clearly right here, okay? The waters rose and covered the mountain, here we go, to a depth of more than 15 cubits. So, 20 feet. So much water covering the entire planet that our tallest mountains are, are, are underneath water, 17 to 20 feet, somewhere in there, I believe, is, is how that measurement works. Now, either we believe that that's true or not. Every living thing that moved on land perished. Can you imagine during that 40 days and 40 nights as, as preachers are running up the heights of the mountains trying to escape and, and, and the floodwaters are just continuing to rise until there's just no more land to stand on. That's the devastation. That's the cataclysmic event of the flood. Every living thing that moved on land perished. Birds, livestock, wild animals, all the creatures that swarm over the earth and all mankind. Everything on dry land that had the breath of life in its nostrils died. 
Every living thing on the face of the earth was wiped out. People and animals and the creatures that move along the ground and the birds were wiped from the earth. Only Noah was left and those with him in the ark. The waters flooded the earth for 150 days. Okay, so here's the thing. We have this creation event. God implements creation, and he says that it was good. And and he created the earth inside of this hydroponic state. But then this hydroponic state floods the earth. Water comes from underneath. Water comes from above. That bubble that was around us is birthed, and it changed everything. The earth that you and I walk on today is a result of the flood. The earth that you and I walk on today is different. It's different today than it was prior to Noah. Our experience is different. What's interesting is we have have people that are non-Bible believing people who are attempting to do scientific work and studies on a planet without a fundamental belief in this cataclysmic event. So after the fact, or in the here and the now, we look at the after effects of this flood, and and we show up with some presumptions or some assumptions that the way it is now is the way it kind of always has been. Or whatever rate of change, you know, when you're talking about like, silt and and stuff like that and whatever the rate is now of of what's happening on the earth the assumption is it's always been that way that's a big assumption but it's the assumption that non-believing people work from and you know that's understandable but for those of us that believe in scripture have the word of god as as our foundation and again, I'm not a scientist. I'm not, I can't stand up here and offer scientific answers for this or that. I wouldn't even attempt to. Even if I heard somebody else, I wouldn't try to regurgitate it, okay? But I, I do feel knowledgeable enough to know that when, when the Bible says, in the beginning God created, and, it, and, and then it tells us what was in place in that creation, and then just a few chapters later it says, oh, and by the way, what was in place in that creation flooded the entire earth so much so with all these specifics that the tips of the mountains all of the mountains underneath the heavens were 15 to 20 feet underneath water and then that water runs off or evaporates a little bit or you know gets soaked up into um these these big icy things that are floating in the in the north and the south uh, uh of, of our planet you know wherever that water went it rushed off And we were left with the earth that we now understand. I mean, think about this. Think about North America. We live in the highlands, right? We're here at 8,500 feet elevation. When we go to the lowlands, sea level, zero, we're in Miami, Galveston, you name it, whatever whatever beach area that you want to talk about. What's really interesting to consider, and this has to be true, 
But all that water that was up in that firmament being held up there, that means there was all that much less water on this earth, which means Galveston, Miami, they weren't the lowlands. The water levels were way below what our normal is. We have no idea how low. Does, does that mean the entire Gulf of Mexico may have been dry land? Maybe. It's, it's hard to say. But understand that our geography, the geography that we understand, the, the topography that we would understand now, is dramatically different from original creation. And we can be confident of that because we have this creation account, and then just a few chapters later, we have this devastation account, this worldwide cataclysmic flood. Hundred and fifty days underwater. Hundred and fifty days where dead trees and shrubs and dead animals are 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 and and, and all of the, the dirt that, that was was kicked up and, and now the elements are starting to sift down. The heavier elements coming down first ahead of lighter elements. And things start stacking up and as as the dirt, as the soils are stacking up, the dead animals that were floating around are now caught inside of that. And we end up with what we have. Some of these scientists try to offer explanations about this. Non-biblical explanations. And, and they'll say things like, well, we know this particular dinosaur existed 400 billion years ago. Well, okay, how do you know that? Because we found it in this layer. Well, how do you know that that layer is 400 billion years ago? Because, that's the, because the animals that we found in that layer are from that time. You understand that what I just said is circular reasoning, right? There's no, there's no foundational aspect to what they're saying. The, 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 because the animal's in that layer, that, that defines the age of that layer. Well, the age of that layer is defined because that's the kind of animal that's found in that layer. And that's the kind of thing that you can hear from people that outside of biblical perspective are trying to understand the earth that, that we're living on. But I just kind of, again, call me a simpleton, all right? Hubble is with two Bs, I'm pretty sure. Call me a simpleton, right? But I know that there's this story. And it's, it's a story that's not just found in this book, but there are other ancient civilizations that have a, a, world, a cataclysmic world account world flood account in them. So even outside of the Bible, we have other ancient civilizations that that talk about this world flood event. We have this story here in Genesis, not just telling us about how things were created, 
but how things were changed, dramatically changed. <coughs> Inside of that amazing story is the grace of God reaching down because the very next verse says, but God remembered Noah. God remembered Noah. You and I are walking on this earth. Yes, it's a broken earth. It's a, it's a, it's a broken, wounded, um, tainted earth. The earth that, that was created when God said, and it was good, is no longer. We, we, we can't know what that was like outside of what we read. That's just not what we experience. We, we walk and engage a, a broken and wounded earth, and yet it still testifies to the grace of a loving God who remembered Noah. And so those waters were removed enough that that ark could land on dry ground. Imagine their experience. Stepping off of an ark onto, onto dry ground, yes, but not recognizing anything. Because what was is no longer. It's different. A dramatic story. And it speaks to our origins, some of our origins. And we'll, we'll finish talking about our origins next week. But inside of all that, inside of all that catastrophe, inside of all those that unknown, ev even being here today, I've probably raised way more questions than I've answered, which was absolutely my intention. Because I can't begin to answer those questions. But I'm hoping that you've gotten hungry enough, thirsty enough, that you might go and do some of your own research this week. I think it's important for us to think about this. What often happens, church, is Christians shy away from the beginnings and they shy away from the endings. They shy away from creation and they and they, and they shy away from the end times because there's so many things that we don't know that it's, it's easier just to, let's get Genesis and Revelation and let's just, let's just focus in on Matthew kind of a thing. But this, we've got, we've got some answers here, okay? We, we do have some explanations. And when it comes to engaging an unbelieving world, it's important for us to be able to say, you know, it's a, I, I, I'm not sure that I can engage in a scientific dialogue with you. But I can tell you what my Bible says. And for me, as for me in my house, this is, this is where we derive our whole system of belief, including... how things came into being and how things were so devastated that our reality now 
reflects what it is now. <coughs> to me, that brings me a lot of hope. It brings me a lot of hope, even though I don't have all the answers. It's okay. I have this confidence. And this, this, is, this, is, the, this is the foundation piece of our whole faith system. And I'm going to verify that with you next week. So I'm telling you, you don't want to miss next Sunday because what we just did today sets the stage for, our, for what our entire faith system, because we soon move right into Abraham, the father of our faith. You want to know what the foundation of our faith system is? Come here next week. Will you pray with me? Jesus, in the beginning... You created, and I can, I can say that poignantly because even though it said in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, we also know that John 1, 1 said in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and all things were created through Him and for Him. You were involved with creation, you being a part of the Godhead, the Trinity. We just also read that the, the Spirit was hovering over the earth. Jesus, I, I, I want to thank you for giving us some answers. You could have left all of this out. You could have not offered us any kind of explanation as to how things got started or how things became the way they are now. But man, you gave us answers. You, you gave us some pretty good details. It's just up to us to decide if, if that's what we want to believe or not. As for me and my house, that's what we choose to believe. Not for dogmatic reasons, not just because it, it, it because, because I just believe in your word, which is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. And even though I don't have all the answers, I do believe that I have enough answers to take the next step forward. I have enough answers to engage in a conversation. Not as an en enlightened scientist, but just simply as a, a believer in Jesus, I have enough answers to say, this is... This is a good enough explanation for me. And I thank you that you not only gave us answers, <coughs> but these stories are filled with your grace and your mercy. Even in the midst of bringing an incredible devastation to this planet, Redeeming grace shows up. Inside of this little boat. This big, 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 big boat. <laughs> this makes me uh, think about myself. That amidst in the midst of all of the devastating things about our, about our world today, 
that you provided an ark for me. A rescuing reality for those that have believed on you. We don't have to be sinking in the devastating waters of our world. You are redeeming us even now, even in this moment. It's not just an eternal thing. It's a here and a now. I'm asking, Lord, that you give us earth awareness, real-time earth awareness. That, and, and, and maybe this should start with confession. We Christians, for so long, have been reckless with our earth because, because we always have heaven in our eyes. There's another place that we're going, and so because of that, we just kind of treat this place like garbage. That's irresponsible. Forgive us for that. And help us to have real good earth awareness. Because it's reflecting your grace and your mercy for us. That the incredible beauty of, of Pikes Peak that, that we get to look upon every day, no matter how majestic it is, the reality is it reflects devastation and grace and mercy all at the same time. That's the beauty of, of, of our reality. Give us that kind of awareness. Whatever the results of that, whatever changes in our lives because of that, or just honoring you, our creator. Thank you for the truth of your word. We cling to it. We soak in it. And it's in the mighty name of Jesus we pray. And everybody said, Amen. You stand with me. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine on you, be gracious to you. May he fill you with his peace. Have a great rest of the day and a great rest of the week. See you next Sunday.